Hi, thanks for joining me. My name is Desiree Baker. Today I'm going to share with you a publication of the John Birch Society called Restore Election Integrity. It's time to get your vote back. In 2020, Americans all across the country lost faith in their election system. Whatever the disputed facts regarding the 2020 presidential election, the security of the United States election system has been incrementally deteriorating for years. State governments have implemented an increasing number of measures over time in the name of making voting more accessible and fair. These measures have made elections more vulnerable to fraud than they've ever been. It's long past time to restore America's election integrity. Without fair elections, we do not have a free country. The Restore Election Integrity Action Project aims to restore the election process as well as public trust in it. The goal is to help educate citizens about the problems with our elections and then mobilize everyone to push legislators toward reform. The ultimate goal is to have every legal vote count and every illegitimate one tossed out. In essence, satisfactory election reform would result in a simple and secure system in which citizens with a voter ID would vote in person on election day at their local precinct where anyone can watch the ballot being cast and counted. It is immensely important that John Birch Society members and supporters work together to create the pressure needed to restore Americans' election process. This challenge is vast and therefore needs dedicated and perseverant activism. Election integrity restoration can be accomplished almost entirely on local and state levels, meaning you can have a vital impact on election reform no matter the national political landscape. Here's what you can do right away. If you haven't already, join the John Birch Society and become part of a local chapter to learn more about the problem and coordinate effective action with other members. Where it makes sense, create Restore Election Integrity ad hoc committees. Contact your state and federal legislators and urge them to restore election integrity by reforming our existing election laws. Our state and federal legislative action alerts provide pre-written emails and talking points for phone calls demanding election law reforms. One of the most effective ways to get a message across to our local and state legislators is by calling them. Our contact elected official system is another easy way to find out who your representatives are and how to contact them. Call their offices and demand the proper actions needed to restore election integrity. If you can't speak with them, leave messages with their staffers. If you're not sure what to say, our alerts include talking points for phone calls. Attend meetings where legislators and local officials will be available and make your voice heard. Distribute election integrity information. Email and share on social media the Restore Election Integrity page, the New American articles on the topic, and other information about the topic. Pass out pamphlets and slim gyms regarding the Restore Election Integrity project. Many voter registration problems were caused by the Motor Voter Act, which forced states to implement automatic voter registration simultaneously with applying for driver's licenses or public assistance. The Motor Voter Act enacted other provisions that have led to explosive growth in inaccurate voter registrations, 
demand that Congress repeal the Motor Voter Act. There needs to be a paper trail that can be referenced anytime there are questions of fraud or inaccurate vote counts. Much of the paperless computerized voting equipment was bought thanks to the dictates of Congress in the unconstitutional Help America Vote Act law that forced states to buy HAVA compliant voting equipment. Much of the electronic voting equipment the states were forced to buy in panic buying mode lacked a paper trail and had technical problems. Furthermore, some of our voting equipment and software comes from foreign countries. Congress should repeal the erroneously named Help America Vote Act. Election results should be printed on paper, posted at the precincts, and made public immediately to prevent tampering with vote totals by insiders as well as external hackers. If electronics must be used for whatever reason, optical scan voting equipment is almost as good as paper ballots as long as the process is open to the public and there are some representative recounts to be sure the equipment ran properly. Americans have been conned into thinking encrypting precinct election results is the best way to prevent tampering. It isn't. The proper solution is to open the process and let the voters monitor their elections. Many states use encryption and other forms of secrecy. This needs to change. To ensure election results from tampering, vote counting should be done in public and the results should be made public immediately. In the 2020 election, many election observers representing Republican candidates and nonpartisan volunteers were prevented from viewing vote counts altogether as online videos document. Fraud would be prevented if many sets of eyes kept track of proceedings. Anyone should be able to observe election processes without need of prior application, though limits may need to be set on numbers of observers. States should reinstate the openness of our electoral process by once again making every aspect of elections, except the marking of the secret ballot, open to the public with no requirement to pre-register as an official observer. Another security measure that would help in this respect would be mandating that election processes be recorded with video and audio equipment. This includes repealing all laws that forbid audio or video recording in or near voting or vote counting places. The only part of the election process that should not be recorded is how someone actually votes. Thousands of affidavits alleging fraud in the 2020 election have been ignored. There simply is not enough time between when a vote takes place and the time when the votes are certified to prove fraud, owing to the fact that gathering evidence is presently so difficult. Extensive monitoring is a must. Other election degradations include early voting, same-day registration, no-excuse absentee balloting, ballot harvesting, non-citizen voting, and universal mail-in voting. Early voting is an open invitation for electoral fraud, both by repeater voting and the temptation to alter vote totals sitting in unattended computer databases for days, even weeks, depending on how long the early voting period is. Early voting and same-day registration should be abolished. Studies should be done showing the cost difference between paying local people to count the paper ballots compared to the high cost of high-tech computerized voting equipment. Internet voting 
as well as internet voter registration should be abolished. Again, paper ballots should be reinstated and the public should be allowed to watch the vote counts, including absentee ballots. Ballot harvesting must be abolished. Ballot harvesting refers to state laws that allow third parties, like campaign workers, to collect absentee ballots from voters and deliver them to election officials. Legal in 27 states, including California, ballot harvesting is particularly susceptible to fraud, whether by intimidating and coercing voters or by stealing or manufacturing ballots. Illegal schemes involving ballot harvesting have already been discovered in Minnesota and North Carolina. The best way to reduce the harvesting of absentee ballots is to reduce the excessive number of absentee ballots by abolishing universal mail-in balloting and no-excuse absentee balloting. Non-citizen voting is another threat to election integrity. Multiple examples of non-citizen voter fraud exist often because of laws giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens and other lax driver registration policies. In Texas, no citizenship checks exist when registering to vote. A voter ID will take care of this as well as other problems. As long as they take privacy concerns into account, states need strong voter ID laws. Congress has the authority to require states that use mail-in-only balloting to reinstate precinct voting when electing congressmen and U.S. senators. They have that authority under Article 1, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution and, as explained in the Federalist Papers, Number 59. When it comes to universal mail-in ballots, they do not require an application or much authentication from the voter, so there's no way to tell where the ballots go or who is filling them out. Again, in the states where most fraud purportedly took place, absentee ballots are too easy to obtain. Absentee ballots should be limited to those who can prove they will be out of town on election day or are physically incapable of making it to a polling place. In the case of requested absentee ballots, Photographic identification should be required to even request an absentee ballot, and a ballot should be delivered to the recipient via certified mail. A random check of those who ask for absentee ballots should be done every election to cut back on fraud. Limiting the number of absentee ballots would have the added benefit of making vote counting much quicker. Opponents to this suggestion will claim that poor people and those without proper IDs would be disenfranchised by such a system. But if the opportunity for voter fraud is allowed to happen, the votes of millions of America would be rendered null and void, which would be a worse problem. The federal government already essentially requires that poor people have official IDs so that they can do such things as apply for Medicare and Medicaid or get medications at pharmacies. In major metropolitan areas, ballots are often counted in large counting facilities, as is the case in locations where vote disputes happened in the 2020 election, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Atlanta, Detroit, etc. The purported reasons for the centers is to centralize and to speed counting, but these counting centers usually finish their counts last, not first. Logic and many close call races that usually end up going to Democrats have led astute watchers to be suspicious that the main reason 
large counting centers are used is to assure that there is enough vote fraud to swing important elections, hence the late arriving vote counts. Not only do large voting centers often use optical scan vote counting machines, which are susceptible to rigging, the fact that the ballots have to be transported to the counting location provides plenty of opportunity to add fake ballots for one candidate or another, throw out ballots, or alter ballots en route. Also, at a large counting center, a small staff trained to commit fraud could repeatedly be used, limiting the likelihood of getting caught cheating, whereas counting ballots at the precinct level would require a much greater number of conspirators to commit widespread fraud. Without large counting centers, local precincts could hand count paper ballots in an hour or two if enough pairs of vote counters, usually one Democrat and one Republican, are brought in to count ballots after the polls close. The vote counting must start promptly after the polls close and should not be interrupted. No slow counts or delayed counts should be allowed. This type of law should be enacted at the state level, but where necessary, a federal law could be narrowly applied and it would be constitutional. To require states to reinstate voting in precincts for the U.S. House and U.S. Senate elections and places that have abandoned precincts in favor of all-mail balloting, Article 1, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution should be used. Once votes are cast, precinct results should be printed on paper and posted publicly at the precinct voting level for at least seven days. They should also be posted on a website immediately and be kept up on the website for at least two years. In the 2020 November election, it is undisputed that tens of thousands of dead people voted, and similar numbers of people who had moved out of state either voted illegally or saw someone else vote using their names, and many thousands of people requested ballots for the same address, and thousands of others had ballots sent to post office boxes or listed their addresses, which is illegal. Citizens need to mandate the cleaning up of all voter registration lists. At least two months before each federal election, voter registration lists should be updated. And since many states give driver's licenses to illegal immigrants, states should be required to take steps to prove that voters are actually eligible to vote in this country. Universal mail-in balloting is not mailing a ballot to every voter. It is mailing a ballot to every entry on the voter registration databases, which, due to lack of voter registration cleanup, can be a sizable number of live ballots that are mailed incorrectly and are ripe for the taking by ballot harvesters. There are numerous counties in the United States where the total number of registered voters exceeds the total number of eligible voters, even if there was a 100% voter registration rate. Mailing duplicate ballots to voters or sending ballots to addresses of non-existent persons greatly increases the chances that unvoted ballots will be collected by ballot harvesters and serve as a temptation to ballot harvesters or their financiers to submit those ballots especially where signature checking is not carefully done or not done at all. Even when the registration lists are reasonably accurate, mailing ballots to all voters still creates a weakness in the chain of custody for many ballots. In the 2020 election, not only has it been reported that suspected fake ballots were destroyed in large batches to avoid fraud detection, 
a main computer server that was set to be checked for vote fraud was spirited away to unknown parts. Candidates should not have to win a court case to protect evidence. The default position should be that all evidence needs to be kept either for a specific period of time, say two years, or until all challenges are dealt with in the courts. And access to this evidence should be easy to get for candidates and their representatives. Those people who try to destroy ballots or other possible evidence of vote fraud should be punished harshly. Again, video monitoring of election processes and ballots would make this feasible. After an election, appoint a committee to seek out fraud, including voter intimidation, illegal ballot harvesting, buying votes, and more, and bring charges against culprits. The lax enforcement of vote fraud means that unless someone confesses to having committed vote fraud and there is video and audio evidence to prove it happened, that person will face no charges. Multiple people have been caught on camera by the investigative entity Project Veritas admitting to massive vote fraud, but the admissions led to no charges. This is an open invitation to commit fraud. In many states, under the present system, there is no way to tell who voted via absentee ballot and who didn't. And even if a ballot seems to make it through the mail stream unscathed, there is no way of knowing whether the vote was altered along the way. Supposedly, signatures were checked to see if a ballot was proper, but many reports indicate that signatures were ignored out of hand by ballot checkers. Likewise, many people believe fingerprint verification would solve identity issues, but once fingerprints are uploaded into a computer, it would be only too easy to alter the system to retrieve the fingerprints to have the machine simply ignore the fingerprints. Even certified mail won't work to stop the problem because certified mail only ensures that a ballot reaches the correct destination, not that the ballot wasn't altered on the return. Ballots should be treated like physical evidence in court cases. They should be accounted for at all times. Most absentee ballots should be delivered directly to a voting place by a trusted proxy on election day, a proxy who should both sign for the ballot when picking it up and sign it into the voting station, greatly eliminating the ability to add fake ballots to the count. States should require that absentee ballots arrive by election day and be delivered to the precincts to be counted in public on election day. Moreover, the ballot envelope should contain adequate safeguards against fraud, such as photographic and signature proof of identification put inside by the voter and a seal against tampering. Also, the number of absentee ballots a proxy person could submit should be severely limited. In the case of military ballots from overseas, ballots should be transferred in tamper-proof bags to their intended destinations, and soldiers should be able to track their ballots through a commercial shipping system to their intended destination, where the ballots should be signed in and stored unopened under video surveillance. Internet voting and alternative forms of electronic voting, such as voting via telephones, should also be abolished. Unattended drop boxes allow for large numbers of absentee ballots to magically appear with no record of how or when they were cast. Unattended drop boxes are vulnerable to having someone, ostensibly a voter casting a ballot, depositing an explosive device or an incendiary device in the drop box. 
such an act could destroy untold numbers of ballots with no official record of how many ballots were destroyed or whose ballots they were. Affidavits and video have documented the claims that numerous ballots in the 2020 election were not real, but were likely made on commercial copiers or printers. As in the manner America puts certain features in paper currency to prove it's real, watermarks, colored thread, or holographic images, similar features should be built into ballots to limit fraud. After all, our votes are at least as valuable as our currency. After an election, all ballots that were printed should be accounted for, including absentee ballots and those ballots that were not used in the election. This is to ensure that ballots are not simply handed out illegally or filled in illegally and then added to the vote count process. To ensure adequate participation in the voting process, the basic standard day for an election worker should include the option of working a half day, usually about seven hours, rather than the 14-hour workdays, as it is currently in many locations. The election judges and alternate election judges should be able to take time off during the day, provided at least one is on duty at all times on election day. Most election fraud is committed by election insiders, not by outside hackers. If there aren't enough ordinary citizens to work at the polls, use something like jury call to get the additional poll workers. Like a jury pool, the people selected can be interviewed to assess their skills. Voter sign-ins should be on paper and voters should sign in consecutively in the sequence in which they appear at the polls. The election judges and election clerks' names should be affixed on the completed sheets to reduce the chance of adding fake voters. Electronic signatures should be eliminated. Even the supposed benefits of electronic signatures are faulty. Modern technologies that display voter signatures for election clerks to use for comparison don't really work because electronic signatures are often poor facsimiles of the real thing. Plus, electronic signatures could enable fraud. A computer system that can retrieve a signature from a voter registration database and display it on a screen can also be adapted to retrieve the same signature and apply it to an electronic signature block as if the voter had appeared at the polls to vote. This type of technology could lead to computerized ballot box stuffing, the likes of which have never been seen before. State constitutions typically have provisions for calling for special sessions, but most state constitutions grant that power solely to the governor. In the 2020 presidential elections, numerous governors and courts eroded the election integrity of their states with unconstitutional edicts. When evidence of fraud or inaccuracies surfaced, the legislatures were powerless to convene special sessions to examine the evidence and potentially take charge and appoint electors to the Electoral College. State constitutions should be amended to authorize a special session of the state legislature. State constitutions should be amended to authorize a special session of the state legislature upon the call of a certain number of either state representatives or state senators. Election Integrity Action Tools State legislatures must take every possible step to get rid of election vulnerabilities. Americans must work together to pressure states to reassert their constitutional authority over congressional and presidential elections. State legislatures must reassert their control over federal elections in their respective states, investigate and audit their voting records, and reject any illegal votes made contrary to legislatively enacted law. 
State constitutions typically have provisions for calling for special sessions, but most state constitutions grant that power solely to the governor. In the 2020 presidential elections, numerous governors and courts eroded the election integrity of their states with unconstitutional edicts. When evidence of fraud or inaccuracies surfaced, the legislatures were powerless to convene special sessions to examine the evidence and potentially take charge and appoint electors to the Electoral College. The situation is not hopeless. Patriots can and must act. The integrity of our republic and public faith in our electoral system is at stake. Sign up for our state and federal election legislative alerts and keep up with critical election integrity issues. Educate yourself and then pass that knowledge to others. Create local ad hoc committees. Work with legislators and appropriate committees toward reform. And if you haven't already, sign up as a John Birch Society member and become part of a chapter. When part of a group, you can organize and put pressure on federal and state legislators. Join the John Birch Society today.